out here in the perimeter, there are no stars. Out here, we is stoned, immaculate. Hello and welcome. This is the C86 Show. I'm David Esau. As you know, we love a special guest. This week, it's going to be the turn of the Glaswegian band, The Primevals, because I recently spoke to Michael Rooney to find out more about life, love and poetry. They formed in 1983, Michael on vocals and songwriting duties, and they were on New Rose Records. But interestingly enough, they are still rocking and rolling and have a new album out. This is titled New Trip, which came out this year. Last year it was Second Nature. They're on a roll, basically. Anyway, this is the interview. You don't really need to know anymore because you're going to find out more about them now. So, um, yes, after several minute, <laughs> minutes of so casual chat, <laughs> which we edit out, we got down to that exciting subject that was the early formative years. Michael, you're a bit more of a beatnik than me. Tell us more about your early formative years. I was always kind of tuned down. I'm a bit older than you, maybe back in time. Um, I guess my earliest thing is like maybe in 19... Singing at a wedding, singing unaccompanied to uh, Dale Shannon's Runaway. And uh, I think it was about six or something at the time. And um, and then I kind of, through, through being in holiday and stuff like that, um, the first band I seen with my mum, my, my dad and my gran were, uh, was, um, well, actually, the first, the support band was Dave Berry and the Cruisers, uh, but the main band was Spencer Davis Group, you know, so that was 66. So, but during that period, and that whole period was like consumed in kind of um, family and myself buying singles, really, you know. Yeah. The singles, the singles that really interested me, I liked, were, were quite raw. You know, I wasn't so much big on the Beatles so much. It was more them and um, the Rolling Stones and the Kinks, you know, that kind of thing, you know. Um, uh, so I had a real kind of interest or a, a feel for that kind of thing, a bit more kind of maybe soulful blues-like as well. So that, that was, you know, pretty inspiring really, you know. Yes. And were your parents, I mean, what were they... Um, you know, what was their kind of gig? You know, were they, I'm, I'm guessing, this is not the most uh, well, well, you know, they, they, yeah, we lived in a tenement, you know, it was pretty, um, you know, it was quite difficult in some ways, you know, but um, you don't really think about it at the time, but it was pretty glorious in lots of other ways, you know. A lot of freedom, a lot of music playing, a lot of parties. Uh, parents were kind of like, left us to their own devices, which was, you know, great, but... Um, um, they themselves were, well, you know, they, they family parties sing along, you know, I mean, um, that kind of thing, you know. Yeah, people, um, and did people yeah. like Alex Harvey, you know, was he around at that time? Because I know he did a lot of work in the 60s in various yeah, bands. Yeah, he was. And I wasn't too uh, familiar with him. It's only looking back, really, you see the kind of stuff that he did do with the soul band and stuff like that, 64. Um, and then moving on to other stuff like you know, um, here and sensational Harvey band and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, it was, and I, I was probably too young to go to the kind of the dances that they played and the kind of. I was more my, my period. I kind of going out was really early, but it was just after that, maybe about sixty nine. The first band I, I seen them at own money was um, Peter Green's Fleetwood Mac um, with the uh, collection supporting them. Um, featuring Goddess Henderson and both. Um, so uh, I had a definitely kind of more of a kind of 
a, a blues thing and and and, and kind of feeling that um, was an initial you know impetus for me to to just listen to music and appreciate and then kind of after that um, you know we went to go see bands that were playing and quite kind of quite a proggy kind of period I suppose you might call it mm. um, you know things like you know Kevin Ayers and um, Edgar Brought and Pete Brown all these kind of guys that were really interesting you know quite um, and then going to see other stuff as well you know like and then getting to jazz and then just like really getting really heavily into that and then just so was that, that was a kind of journey, really. My God, that's such a sophisticated life. I mean, then see yeah. Peter Green and Fleetwood Mac. I mean, that must have been awesome. Was he still quite together at that stage? Because I know he had that oh, yeah. episode. I mean, they, they, were just, they were just, I think it was kind of not long after maybe Man of the World. So I think it was maybe even pre-then play on, I think. If I, I'm not entirely sure. Round about then, I would think. Um yeah, I, so, I mean, I was just, I was really lucky to be able to go and see lots of different stuff, and um, yeah, it really, really inspired in a lot of ways, you know, and fantastic, you know. Yes, and, and sort of, because most people who I've interviewed from Glasgow, say, they always kind of mention Roxy Music and T-Rex. Did you ever go and see them too? Uh, I, I did see Tyrannosaurus Rex uh, back in time, Um it's funny, I was talking to a pal yesterday about Roxy Music and, and I, I kind of, I mean, I kind of uh, understand that they're a real influential band, but for me, I never kind of quite got them, you know, really, I don't know. Um, but I, I think that was caught up in kind of almost anti-glam, anti, anti, I was still kind of coming through a kind of prog, maybe a hippie type thing, you know, um, whereby that was all seems a bit kind of commercial. Man. Yes. Well, uh, and and so for for me that was maybe not so important, you know. Well, I'd imagine seeing some of the glam acts on top of the pops, you know. If you if you attend like I was, it was fantastic. And then Alice Cooper's schools yeah. out was even more exciting. Sure. But I think if you're a bit older, it probably looked a bit cheesy, and yeah. you know, people I mean, who I would probably still play with my action man at that stage in my life as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, Alice Cooper. I mean, they they. they plays a bit of a trail too, you know, that I like them, you know, they, they were a bit kind of, they looked a bit raw or something, you know. So um, were you heading towards the world that was, I mean, you mentioned the Canterbury sound there, which was very hip and groovy in a, in a sort of Robert Wyatt sort of way. Were you a bit of a beatnik at this stage? Were you, were you reading Jack Kerouac's On the Road? A little bit, yeah, and, and getting in a little bit of kind of like Ferlinghetti and a bit of Crossstone and a bit of kind of reading in that way. Um, kind of taking in influences from some of the British stuff as well that was kind of around the poets like Adrian Henry and stuff like that, Roger McGough, stuff like that. Um, so yeah, just really kind of anything that was kind of interesting and slightly different from the norm. I was, I was, you know, I was interested. I wouldn't say I was like, you know, completely captivated, a bit of a filter system there, but um. Yeah, I, I was really open to lots of different stuff. And, and I guess the music um, and, and the lifestyle and the times were kind of, um, they, were, they, were, they were great. And, and, and just to look back on that. And so, you know, some, I missed some things as well. You know, kind of do everything, see everything, but I had a good crack at it, you know. I seen yes. So your parents sound like they were sort of quite into music because, you know, I mean, my parents are lovely, but their musical taste was, you know, shocking, really. <laughs> You know, it's kind of kind of awful country and western that I was inflicted with. So you, but you were listening to jazz and seeing, 
you know, John, John Spencer and, and uh, you know, Peter Green. That sounds quite an exciting, you know, cultural moment. And jazz. You must have been listening to, to Miles Davis and Count Basie. And... Yeah, I mean, I, I remember the moment, more or less, watching, the, I think it was like, live at one score, I think it was 68, 14 or something, watching them playing. I didn't quite always get it, but I just thought, God, that was amazing. You know, and just watching the beads of sweat and dripping down, dripping down Miles Davis's forehead, and I just thought it's, it's kind of black music, you know, and I, that 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 really resonated, you know. And I think, um, yeah, just the, the the feel of it, the the spirituality of it, the the the, the whole concept, the the complexity of it, um, it, it just really, I, I just really. It was really interesting, you know. Yes. For me. So, so if you had a choice between Kinda Blue or Bitches Brew, which would you go for now? I probably play Bitches Brew more. You know, um, yeah. Bitches Bitches Brew was kind of one of the, Bitches Brew and In a Silent Way were the two kind of um, entry points for me. Kind of fifteen or something. I mean, and then get back to. Feels to kill me arrow, and then also then you know then probably hearing kind of blue around about then actually, so I was more um, attuned to that, and then the kind of more heavier funk things he did on the corner, which is still one of my, my favorite albums that period. It was just like that was incredible music. I think still really stands up today, you know. Yeah. So yeah. Nice, really nice. So what happened to you, you know, so as the sort of 70s progressed, you know, we had the, you know, you mentioned prog and there was a bit of heavy metal and then sort of punk came along. What was your, what was your sort of journey at this stage? Because obviously you didn't go straight in, you might have been into bands, but you weren't into the band that, that sort of shaped you for the rest of your life. But so, so what happened else in the 70s? Uh, well, um, I kind of worked in record shops then, early 75. Um, I was an avid collector, I got a job in, in the centre of town. It was a kind of transformation from a kind of um, the musical content at that time and the, the audience kind of changed, like the times of moving from a kind of rock crowd, still having that, but moving into kind of, kind of punk rock kind of thing as well. Really at the forefront of kind of um, embracing that music generally. And stalking a lot of it, and 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 listening to it, and ordering it, and being really kind of in control of that kind of little wee shop and all that, being a manager and everything, and um, so, and then some some friends were playing and stuff like that, and I always kind of backed out because I thought <laughs> I thought at twenty two was a bit old actually to tell you the truth, and um, I had a bass and stuff like that, and I, I kind of chickened out of doing a gig with some of my friends, and I always regretted it, but so I, I didn't. It took me a few years to kind of get back into kind of like even contemplating playing again so it was like you know 25 26 for i thought well i'll get this band together you know yes absolutely i must admit i did an interview with richard strange who was in the doctors of madness and he said that they were two years too early for punk but everybody in the audience you know they were kind of punk but they were you know yeah. they were you know people were still needing to catch up everyone in the audience kind of went on to form you know the damn sex pistols you know the clash and all, everybody else but they by the time that punk had happened they were feeling a bit like they were past it, and he was ancient at twenty-five, and just thought that that's that's me done. It's kind of weird, that isn't it? Because I mean, you could say the same about psychedelic music. You kind of there's a period of time where even like you know, at sixty-eight or sixteen, it was a bit old. Punk was a bit old, I think, as well. You know, and kind of fairly quickly, um, and and you know, the music itself, um, 
Some of it was great, you know. Some of it was just about quite got a bit disposable after a while, you know. It was dreadful yeah. after a while, isn't it? Most scenes are. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's not good. Yeah. But did you start no. bumping into other people who went on to form, you know, quite interesting scenes in, in, I suppose, the Scottish scene, you know, like people yeah, like... Well, the shop was a wee bit, there's quite a few shops in Glasgow, but the shop we had, um, it, it was a bit of a meeting point. A lot of the shops were, but that one was, was too. You would have, you know, at that time, maybe the turn of... Um, Sort of 78, 79, you would have um, bands doing personal appearances, and the Clash were in the Buzzcocks, Dr. Feel Good, stuff like that. And then you would have like um, people coming in and, and forming bands and hanging out really for the day. You know, the guys from Orange Juice or the Pastels or, you know, other bands that were coming in, James King and Lone Wolves. So there was a bit of a high, like cool. So there was there was quite a, a, a bunch of folk coming in and um, just kind of hanging out really and you know um listening to stuff and are, are you know contemplating life and, and talking about their kind of their conceptual continuity yes you know, so, conceptual uh, continuity we like that so look yeah. when was the first time you met alan mcgee i don't i met alan mcgee in the shops and stuff like that um i think he came to see his plane in sheffield once and uh, but i've never really really crossed paths him for a long time kind of um yeah, I kind of I, I don't really know him that well. I've met him a few times, and yeah, um, I can't say I know him really. You know, no. to tell you the God's honest, That's apart from what you what you see and what you hear, you know, which, which or is, watch on telly. There's so many things about him, which is another story, isn't it? So <laughs> <laughs> I know everyone has or another movie, movie. Yeah. another movie, another another year. I think there's another one coming out actually, a documentary. However, so we had the skids, which were huge. I remember being at school and we were very excited with Richards and his high kicking act. Could have been in Las Vegas, but then you know, like you said, there was that punk, then the post punk indie pop came along, and you had those bands like I suppose you had the Liverpool scene with Julian Cope and people like that, and then you had Simple Minds and U2, and then sort of around '83, the Smiths appear, and suddenly indie pop is a thing in my book, anyway. So, yeah. so were you? So, what was the early '80s like for you? Because obviously '79, Thatcher oh. gets in, the Conservatives never seem to leave us. Well, it was kind of back to kind of basics, really, you know, and um, I just felt, I, I didn't feel a, a lot of affiliation with a lot of that stuff through the God's on. I thought the sound was all a bit thin. It was a bit kind of, kind of plodgy rhythm sections and kind of, but kind of, it wasn't really too thrilling for me to be perfectly honest. So I kind of stripped it back and, and to look back at it, I kind of, and, and it wasn't particularly well thought of at the time, but um, we, we went back to a kind of more rootsy, a kind of raw thing. And uh, were influenced by maybe some of the other bands, mainly American bands, maybe the, the Cramps, the Gun Club, Stooges, all that kind of thing, you know, very much kind of trying to get a little bit of a handle on that, you know. Yes. Um, and so, so we, we, we kind of, um, and, and, and we, we use some kind of, kind of maybe some rootsier stuff as well, you know, some slide, things like that that weren't particularly popular at the time, you know, really, because, you know, we kind of had a bit of a hard time for some of that stuff, you know, but. Um, it wasn't exactly lauded by a, by a lot of people. Some people liked it, you know, which was fine. You know, I'm not, I'm not moaning. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was just the way it was, you know. Yes. And and the band, did it come together via the shop or, or was it your sort of other well, connections? I kind of I left the shop and then I started a kind of stall on my own for a couple of years. 
and um, it started off really well, then it didn't. <laughs> uh, but um, one of the guys came around who still plays with us now, Tom, Tom Rafferty came around, and uh, he, he kind of enthused about Raw Power and the Link Ray album, and we got shot chatting and um you know we just talking he played guitar and I just thought oh I've got some ideas and we just sat down got some friends in who played in other bands um uh, and then we kind of formed the first kind of kind of attempt at playing live and recording we did about five or four or five shows and then we um then we kind of got a more solid kind of group together um uh, and then we recorded a single and then we kind of um, sent the single off to France, uh, New Rose Records, who we thought was quite a nice label because they'd like some nice bands on it. We like, you know, Johnny Thunders and uh, the Cramps and the Gun Club and, you know, the Saints. So we felt that was kind of like a bit more home for us than maybe um, Factory Records or whatever else was around at the time. We, 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 you know, we didn't have any kind of connection there. So... Anyway, we, they liked it, and we, we kind of went on a, a, a path of recording some records for them and uh, for New Rose Records in France. So, um, yeah, yes. that, that, that was how we kind of... I mean, it's kind of interesting, because well, that single you talk about, is um, it was titled Where Are You, wasn't it? This is the one you're talking about, that, that was self-financed. Yeah. yeah. That's the one. But because all those bands, because um, it's kind of interesting, that kind of New York scene and the people you mentioned, because they all, they're all kind of junkies, aren't they? Let's face it. <laughs> they, we... <laughs> and most, oh, yeah. and most are dead. Yeah, um, yeah. There is a connection there, isn't there? So were you, you know, were you yourself? I'm not saying were you a junkie, but were you part of, yeah, were, were, were you in a slightly wild phase of your life at that stage? Um. I think a little bit wilder, a little bit later, maybe when things were, you know, when I had not much to do. Um, but um, personally, um, you know, n- nothing too, nothing too outrageous. We, you know, we, you know, we don't. It's something that you know. I, I think, you know, a lot of bands kind of um, play on a bit, you know. And and for me, it's just like you know, I've had a pretty colourful life since I've been like fifteen, you know. So. Uh, it's just kind of part and parcel of what what goes down, you know, really. Yes. So I, I, I don't really dwell into that, you know, my rock and roll hell kind of thing, or we did this here or we did this thing. No, but, you know, no, it was just kind of interesting because that scene, which, which yeah. was quite interesting. I've done, you know, quite a lot of interviews with people who were connected to it. And, you know, heroin, heroin was so kind of cheap mm. and accessible and, you know, in New York. And most of those people were all strung out on it very early on and, and most didn't yeah. get off it, did they? So it was just kind of... Um, kind of historical as well, isn't it? People you know, looking back to like some kind of... You know, everybody will see it regardless of punk. They look back to Charlie Parker, you know, and they'll say, well, they look, they look pretty cool. The guys with the horn and playing sat, you know. Yeah. They sound amazing, but, you know, they obviously probably would have played better or given straighter, you know, but... That's that's an end of the game, isn't it? Yeah, and also I think with those jazz guys, they might have been musically more accomplished or competent. Whereas I think Johnny Thunders and some of the other people, listening to some of their interviews a few years later, they were still kind of quite incoherent. They didn't, and the music is pretty awful, really, isn't it? They're they're late. They're later solo albums. Yeah, I, I yeah, I, I, much as I enjoy um, some of his music, you know, there, there is a whole kind of, and and lots of other people too. I think you know they can be start off kind of well, and then it's just like you know, 
they deteriorate. Maybe the opportunities are lessened. You know, the recording time is lessened. You know, still like the odd, you know, diamond in there or shining a light. But um, generally, um, you know, I don't. I'm not kind of sycophantic about it. But I need to have you know every single recording by these people. Just, I just, it's important that I, 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 I listen to stuff that I really like and, and appreciate. You know. Yes, absolutely. And then obviously, yeah. the, the one of the things about the 80s of all and in this country is that we have these great gatekeepers, don't we? We have three music papers, weeklies, and then John yeah. Peel, and then, you know, every city has a little venue, don't they, for alternative gigs. And, and John Peel picked up with the, on the band as well, and you did a session for him, didn't you? Yeah, we did a session for him, and he brought it out in the 12-inch uh, on his uh, on well, the Strange Fruit label with the um, lots of other sessions came out. Uh, so yeah, we just did the one. It was great. Um, it's it turned out fine, and it was a connection with him. We met him once, I think, um, not at the studio because it was produced by Buffin uh, from Mott the Hoople, uh, <laughs> the uh, who spent a lot of his time talking about getting his car fixed. I've got to say, but. Um, yeah, we're in in a half a day or a day, you know, and just and and, and recorded it, mixed it, and back in, and you know, um, we 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 put it out, and, well, he put it out, so I mean, it turned out pretty good. But yeah, that was great. We had some nice contact with the BBC at that time, and you know, a few other sessions, Janice Law, Andy Kershaw, and that was a kind of period where we kind of well kept pretty busy, you know, really, um, and and it was going okay. Um, then then things changed <laughs> yes well absolutely i mean i know it's a bit tedious but <clears throat> it doesn't stop me normally saying this but you know most bands have a have, have a quite a five-year narrative don't they they get together they yeah. have that honeymoon period the first single the first album and in this case you, you know even the john peel session and you know a couple of albums and things are things well no things are going well on the first album if you're lucky but then it often kind of gets a bit tricky so you did three albums well two studio albums didn't you eternal hotline Hot fire and sound yeah. hole as well. I was going to say, did they were they good experiences? Uh, well, the first following Johnny Thunders was in before us in West uh, Three in Acton when we did uh, Sound Hole in '85. <laughs> um, so, uh, and we did the other one in Glasgow. The, yeah, they were good experiences. We spent a bit of time there. Um, it was it was good, you know. Um, sound hole turned out really well. Um, we did a mini album before that, which is a combination of the four tracks we did um, and some other stuff. And then the one after that, Live a Little, we did it was a little bit thinner on the production there. It could have been a bit more. I don't know. We tried for we tried to maybe um, change the sound a little bit, and maybe a bit influenced by. Um, I think. <laughs> So, you know, some of these kind of getting a little more radio friendly or something, and 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 maybe should have just stuck a bit more to our our kind of original concept, you know. So, but in reflection, we 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 did really well with them. I mean, we were used used there Richard Mazda, who's a really good producer. He uh, produced like um, Wall of Voodoo and Flesh Tones and did some stuff by IRS, you know, and the label. Um, so we had a really good connection with him. He joined the band for a bit, and uh, you know, he's a really, really nice guy, and we got on really brilliant, you know. So, um, all in all, that was great, you know. Yes, and were you when you heard the uh, Mexican radio by Wall of Voodoo? Was that a, was that kind of one of those moments you thought, oh my God, that's that's quite an exciting sound? It is an exciting sound, but 
also the the first two Flystones albums, Roman Gods and Hexbreaker. He did them, and they were kind of um, a kind of garagey, kind of feel good, but a, a good sound. Um, pretty straight ahead. He also had the Scientist, one of their ones as well. Um, so we kind of tuned into that, you know, really, and, and and we thought, well, he's a guy. He's a guy who kind of knows what we might be looking for, you know. And we met him, and I worked out okay. We got some sorted, and yeah. Yes, and you mentioned earlier also Chris Bailey from The Saints. So was he another one of your, you know, musical influences? I'd say so. I think The Saints, the first three albums, um, you know, as good as anything, really. You know, it was around at that time. I thought it was absolutely brilliant, you know. Um, yeah, very much so. You know, I met Chris um, and, you know, he's a, he's a friend, you know, he's, he's got a good connection with um, Scottish folks here and... Um, and also Ed Cooper, the brilliant guitar player, the band were brilliant, you know, they just really, they had a real good cutting edge and uh, I thought I really, really, they were really influential, I think, you know, underrated as well, I think, you know. Um, yes, I, I still, actually, there's a few albums they did in the 90s that I really have a very soft spot for, which I know one, uh, Bruce Springsteen covers one of the songs as well, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah, was that? Like Firewood, was that it? That That's the one, yeah, a classic. I mean, it's just such a great song. So I still think he's a great sort of, he's a bit like Paul Westenberg on The Replacements. I still think they've got some really good talent, though, on saying that. Yeah. Hopefully, he'll get back soon. I've not been heard from him for a while, so hopefully, he'll be recording again, you know. Yes. So, so as the 80s progressed, then, how was, how was the band holding together? <laughs> well, um, it was okay for, for quite a bit. I mean, we did a Cramps tour, and that was brilliant. Um, we did about I don't know twenty five shows or something there in Europe, and we, um, I guess we found a little bit, you know, coming back was a bit kind of like you know, we were real struggling to you know, um, be recognised, or, or, or it didn't do us a lot of good really in some ways because we didn't get the UK stuff because we only get the European stuff because we're a Euros label and it was the same as the Cramps, whereas the Cramps were a, a UK label, so we picked a UK support on Beat, whatever kind of who it was. So we kind of lost it a little bit in that. Um, and then uh, we did some tours on our own, we played, um, and we did some, did some decent supports as well. Um, and then we kind of got, you know, we, we, did, we released a kind of an album we did in 1990, Dig, we kind of left New Rose and we thought we could have, but it was, it, it didn't work out, you know, and production, the distribution was pretty poor. We found myself touring with a band from the 60s called Blue Cheer, uh, and that was a bit kind of bit um, insane at times. Uh, we kind of found that um, it wasn't really our audience, and it wasn't really so much our thing. So things were a little bit kind of messy by that point. Um, and we kind of came back and played for a bit, and did a bit more recording, and then I took some time out for a bit. I was in London for a bit, and then it kind of stopped. Although we, we kind of kept in contact and, you know, we would have come up and... So it, it, the band kind of stopped, but then we kind of like, you know, we just play for fun uh, under another name and just play covers, you know, play Sunra songs or, you know, Charlie Feathers or, you know, whatever it would be. Um, <laughs> uh, so um, uh, so we could be, and then we just kind of get back to playing with the name again and then, the, 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 then we slowly started making records again, you know. Yes. So, so you never really went away. So when, when did you sort of, sort of decide, actually, this is, this is going to be the band and we're going to sort of do the next album? When was the next studio album? Um, we didn't do an album until two, 
2007, where we just had a, you know, we kind of scraped together um, uh, um, budget and we just went into a studio which we've used ever since in Motherwell called FML, where we kind of work with the same, <laughs> the same uh, engineer producer and we just work in our, our stuff uh, there. Uh, so that was quite a gap. That was about 15 years or something before we That's one it. hell of a gap, isn't it? Did you, I mean, at that stage, did music just sort of go as a sort of a, an occasional sort of hobby in the background and you got on? I guess in some ways it was. I mean, yeah, I mean, um, I think we've got families and children and just like jobs again to deal with and kind of, um, yeah, we'd all had all these kind of responsibilities that, that came along, I suppose. So, um, we maybe kind of put the same amount of time in, and you know, we our opportunities weren't, weren't so great, you know. So we 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 just kind of stuck around and we we played together, and we just well, yeah, I guess it was a you know back to our kind of hobby again. Maybe it always was a hobby, you know. Yeah, just a well, but anyway, you know. But um, on saying that, you do um oh. I've just lost my screen. Um, you do, you have been very prolific though, haven't you, in the last couple of years? Very what? Very prolific in the last couple oh, of yeah. years. Because you've got yeah. a new album like, called um, New Trip, which is, uh, but then last year you did Second Nature. So how have you coped with this kind of bizarre world that we're living in at the moment with the pandemic? I guess um, <laughs> it's all there <laughs> with what we've done. Um, do you mean musically? Um, yes, just musically. Uh, I mean, uh, I just wonder because yeah. there's a few there's a few artists that I remember speaking to last year, and they've been working on their kind of album. They got the tour lined up, and then suddenly it all pulls, and they were like, "Oh God, I don't know what we're doing," and and they've lost yeah. it. And then there's other people who say, "Haha, that's quite lucky because we were going to have a year, kind of regrouping after the after you know working quite hard," and then they actually they've found creatively kind of hard to get their mojo you know working again you know and one guy was saying oh look I, I really been I spent six months still you know wanting to change the strings on that guitar but you know I still can't quite muster the enthusiasm and you know so yeah. I just wondered how it was for you. Can I um very much using the time um getting together and playing and recording with a bunch of songs for the second nature record and then after that, we kind of just, um, there was a window. Um, I mean, Glasgow's been pretty seriously hit with the, the lockdown, still is. Um, so, you know, there was some periods of time where we could go and rehearse. And we just, you know, we just rehearsed a bunch of songs and we arranged them pretty tightly. And then we went into the studio and did it really quickly. Um, and, you know, we worked together pretty well and, you know, it, it came together. It was recorded and mixed, um, maybe all done in about four or five days. So, um, yeah, um, for us, I suppose it's been good, you know, and, and to a certain degree that we've managed to keep our um, enthusiasm going and our, 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 you know, our creativeness going. We, you know, we're, we're rehearsing now, we've written new songs, there's, you know, there's like, you know, another bunch of stuff there. So we'll see what happens, you know, really. But is it the case then that the band, the, the members who, who form the band, are you all sort of much more focused and, and straight with it, you know, like putting in the hours and sort of... I think so. I think so, yeah. Um, yeah, this band, um, we've been together, I mean, a, little, a few changes here and there, but more or less the core of the band since, since about the last 10, 11 years. Um, obviously, some people have been a bit there a bit longer from way back, but I guess this combination um 
Yeah, so I mean, we 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 just you know we get the business done. We go in. We're quite focused. Um, yeah, um, and and that's that's the way we work. Really, it's um, you know we have fun. We have a good you know but have a good laugh. <laughs> we like to go in the van and like to play gigs when we can. And so yeah, it's this stage in time. It's it's, it's you know. It's enjoyable. You know? Yes. Well, absolutely. I mean, if you could say, could have said something to a, a sort of your 16, 18 year old self stars now. I mean, I know you didn't sort of form the band then. But I mean, what would what would be your kind of top, you know, kind of key points that you've kind of learned over the decades that you think, oh, yeah, that would have been really handy to have known? Um, You know, they're just full of um, people that are. Um, that, that there can be people there that that, um, that may not be that trustworthy, um, and just to go with your instinct and do what you want to do, and try not to compromise too much, um, just stick with what you even if it's different or or, or, or something that's um, slightly, you know, odd or unusual, um, and don't let kind of speaking for myself here I'm not the most technically minded but uh, just go with your feeling your emotions you know um, um, and yeah I, I think I mean there's pitfalls there in any, anything you do but I think um, the business has changed a lot I really you know we have a certain amount of friends a certain amount of fans and we go and play uh, and that's kind of a lot, and you know we get we, we get some play in the radio, and we get this is fantastic. Uh, so we're, we're we know we're really thankful. Um, so I guess for us, it's just um, I don't have any big um, you know big big words or, or rules for for folk. Um, um, and just just be true to yourself, really. You know. Yes. I mean, it's always difficult. I, I realise I haven't done these interviews, a lot of interviews, sort of navigating that world that is ownership and publishing has always been, it's kind of a, like a dark art, isn't it? And I, I guess it's one of those things that most people have often struggled with understanding what it is that you, you've entered into. Did you, did you have some sort of kind of wake up moments thinking, oh, that's a bit of a drag? <laughs> well, within with the lifetime you're talking about, no, just uh, with, with with your music, you know, especially the music side, you know, owning, keeping the rights to your music or owning them. Um, yeah, I mean, um, I think our, our stuff is more or less now uh, in our hands. The sound hole and the, um, and the first one were, were reissued again, and. Um, um, so we don't have any really big problems with that. <laughs> we had a song that was put on the um, Ten Star, um, the, um, one of the older songs. So we actually got um, some royalties from 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 Sky, uh, or from from the, from the makers of the film. Um, so that was a bit weird, but um, now it's the first time I think, well, I've got all this, <laughs> I need to do some of this. You know, I've, got, I've actually got money here, so, you know, whether I phone the tax man or what, or I get an accountant or whatever, because it's like, can I just used to be kind of ticking along, you know? Um, yes. God, I fun. wish I could remember there was a band, I don't think it was, there was a Scottish band called the Pratts, but there was another one who, they did a sort of album, and then, you know, like, 
that was it. And then I think decades later, a, a very famous film director kind of liked this band and he used it in this, uh, a soundtrack. And, and this singer said, you know, he went to the sort of the, the kind of opening night, you know, this big event and suddenly he could see, you know, he heard his music kind of on this film and was like, my God. I mean, they didn't earn a huge amount from it, but he said the experience was just absolutely awesome. Well, it was funny because it was, you know, to play one of the songs and it was like, you know, kind of going through a skate park and stuff. And the guy, the guy that, that um, produced it was a Scottish guy. So he can, it was a connection there. He knew the band and everything. So it was nice, you know. Yes. Blimey. What was the song again? It was Spiritual. Song Spiritual off Soundhole. Right. Uh, and so, uh, so it's just one of the songs that we, we, we stuck with and play. Yes. Well, I would imagine. And with, and with, with you know, because obviously you've been on sort of a creative role at the moment. Is it the case that um, you're hoping to come out and have more dates in the next six yeah. months? We've got a few gigs lined up. We're playing in um, Newcastle and in London in November and we're doing one that's a kind of John Peel event in Preston. We're doing a, a show there in, in November. Uh, we usually do a gig in, in Glasgow. We do, we do, um, we continue to do a, a, a homelessness benefit um, in Glasgow. We'll probably do that in December. Um, usually, when we've got a record out, we go to France for a wee while, you know. So um, that's not looking too great at the moment, but um, no. which is a shame because uh, we used to spend we go over there, you know, fairly fairly regularly, um, and we've been playing in Italy as well a couple of times. So um, that that for us maybe is, is is not looking too great, but so but who knows. You know. Is it the case? Because I, I know with a few, I know with a few bands, you know, they try and make it so that with some, you know, they try and make a bit of a living from it. Others just want to break even. With 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 your band, is it the case that you're sort of? Is it like a a case of let's just try and break even, but let's not try and lose too much money with it? Kind of, yeah, yeah. I mean, generally, kind of, yeah. I mean, two we may make a small amount of money, you know. Um, but yeah, we're not in for any big killing, you know. I mean, we're not in that league, you know. But which, you know, we're not. It's not a livelihood, you know. It's a stake. It's 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 a pleasure, and you know, it's back to being a hobby again. You know, some people like to go and I don't know, play golf. I don't know, it's jump in the van. Yes, make model boats really as well. I mean, just kind of also, I just noticed you were part of you. you did you contribute to this compilation, um, a tribute to Captain Beefheart? Yeah. Uh, that was um, 1980, 1988, yeah, we did a couple of songs for that. And I'm a big Captain Beefheart fan. I must have, I've met him several times and, and I've seen him about 10 times. So um, back in the day and, you know, we had some fantastic stories, which, you know, we could talk about, but um, um, just meeting him and being backstage and, and kind of, um, yeah, lot, lots of different times. But, uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, um, but uh, uh, fantastic, you know. I mean, I still, still probably a really great memory, and 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 probably I can't uh, that band he had in seventy two, seventy three. I don't think um, for me anyway it was was a pinnacle, you know. Was that with John Drumbo? It wasn't. It was. In, it was in, in, in that band. No, and he was brilliant, and uh, and he played later on, and he played earlier. But in that band. Um, in '72, he had um, Artie Trippman drums. Ed Marimba. Mm. He had, um, yeah, he had a six-piece band. They were amazing, you know. So um, that was that was, 
yeah that but that was um pinnacle i mean there was he had other bands after that but that was a, that was the best one you know yes i i did see when the magic band sort of toured about five yeah. six years ago i went to see them well they've done two tours and went to see both times and the first time most of it was kind of people who'd play with captain beefheart the second time it was basically just john french with some other people who'd learned the parts but it was kind of awesome to see it and, and you kind of even though captain wasn't there singing the songs themselves were phenomenal really. yeah and John French does such a, such a great job. He's, you know, he's, he's quite remarkable, really, you know, playing sax and drums and singing and kind of doing a whole bit, you know. Well, it's interesting because I did an interview with him, well, both times, and he said that they couldn't get any gigs in America, but, you know, he could get a small tour in the UK. And it was like, oh, that's, that's terrible. But I think the moment has kind of gone because I think the second time they toured, um, I think most of the members were having hospital appointments and stuff. And it was like, okay, so. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I think he's done it a few times now, so it's probably unlikely, you know. But yeah, I it's think. a it's a great shame. So with the touring after that, do you have material that you're sort of writing and and sort of planning for the next album? Well, we haven't got any dates booked for that yet, but we we tend to we tend to have the songs ready, and then we we are, we plan to go in, and then we get the songs ready. We're not on that stage yet. We're still kind of putting the stuff together. It's quite. You know, it's it's really good and a little kind of maybe a little bit more expansive than it has been, and, and a bit more kind of I don't know. Um, um, it's got more um, maybe sonically more um, challenging or something. You know, I don't know. Yes, I hope it, I hope it is. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, uh, so. Um, what's the what's the, just roughly what's the process of you sort of putting you know material together do you all take different parts or do you sort of well you know recently i mean I, I'm, I'm in this room here and, and i've got my guitar here and i'm just sitting and, and put stuff on um the mac and or, or whatever and you know drum beats and stuff um or um i take it to the band and um so I have the lyrics ready and the chords ready and, and the, the feel of it. Um, um, I'm not musically attuned to writing um, reading or writing music. So um, it's kind of basic in a lot of ways. Um, some of the other band members will chip in. Some of the other band, band members will write some music. Uh, so it's just, it's, they just kind of formulate it in that way, you know. Um, uh, it comes together pretty quickly, really. Yeah. Most yeah. people are quite tuned to what we what we know and what we like, and you know, we've got a good telepathy between us. We know what what will work and what won't most of the time. You know. Yes, and uh, yeah. do you get kind of inspired when you realise when you know seeing people like David Bowie, who was still sort of, I know he had a gap in his later years, but then he came back with two albums and then he did Black Star. Do you, do people like that sort of give you sort of like confidence that you you're still able or still thinking i could the best work is yet to come well uh that's interesting i mean that's great if that can happen you know i, I kind of don't really think like that though to be perfectly honest but um or you know kind of think about other people in that way um it just it just if i feel like doing it and it makes sense to me and i enjoy it and i like it uh, and everybody's happy in the band doing it, then that's kind of enough. It could end tomorrow or next you know, next year, or whatever you know. Um, who knows, you know? But I think you know, as long as it's as long as it's fun, 
you know, can, we can always do other things on our own, whatever, and experiment and do things and play music. So it's always there. You know? Yes, but do you feel, do you feel sort of with the band though? It's the one thing that sort of keeps keeps you sort of moving, kind of forward rather than trying to become more of a solo artist. Yeah, I think so. I think I mean, I can always. I've done some things and more and whatever with other people. Um, um, yeah, it, it keeps the focus there, you know. Um, we're pretty close, pretty. Yeah, though we don't these days, you know, we see each other when we rehearse really and we play live, but we, you know, it's keeping that focus going, you know. And, and if it was in any way kind of redundant or stale or, or be, you know, people were, you know, want into it, then maybe we'd pick up on that. So, you know, we're lucky. You know, in that sense that we we kind of we get like minds, you know, that that want to kind of play this music. So yes, um, and yeah, so and and it stuck with us. So you know, that's. I guess the 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 band are just generally geographically all quite close. Just about yeah, oh, yeah, totally. We're all in the city, and um, we locate in the rehearsal room, fairly central, and we just work from there. Then we go home. <laughs> I know because there's a few That's bands a who are still trying yeah. to keep it going, even though they're they're kind of in you know living in different counties or different parts of the country, and I think that kind of makes it difficult because you're just sending little recordings to each other, and I think it kind of it doesn't keep the momentum going so well. No, it's nice to be in the room, and, and yeah, even when we're too loud, sometimes it's it's, it's nice. Generally. It's nice. It's good. Well, look, this has been great. Well, thank you ever so much, Michael, for giving me the time for this. this Lovely. Thank you. And, um, and um, so where, are, you, are you in London, yeah? I'm in Norwich. Oh, Norwich. My brother lives in Norwich. Does he? Yeah. Whereabouts? What road? Oh, let me think now. Is it Beatrice Road? Beatrice. Beatrice Road. I don't know. It's kind of like, oh, God, down from the station and down towards the river and up the hill. Right. Oh, gas. Right. Okay. In that direction. Yeah. Uh, has he been here for a long time? He's been in, uh, yeah, maybe in Norwich uh, and Cromer, um, his partner uh, from, from that neck of the woods. So, yeah, maybe the last 10 years or so. Um, he's married and, and stays down there now. So, I'm always trying to get get a gig down there, but it's like, oh, well, he's always trying to get us a gig, but it's, it's not happened yet. So, if you know anybody, give us a shout, you know. Yes. Well, I know there's the, the, the great Norwich Arts Centre. So, I think everyone's a bit tentative about booking at the moment, aren't they? But they, they should definitely, yeah, you should definitely play in Norwich. That would be great. Yeah. Anyway, there you go. Funny little connections there. Chroma. Mm. Nice place. Anyway, look, well, thank you again. And um, yes, I'll keep in touch. And if you want, I can send you the link to this and then you can always use it on other places. Yeah. So what, are you, do you put this on the air or what? What do you do? Yeah, so I, I sort of... I, I sort of put it on the air. I also archive and podcast it. So, you know, it does keep it. So um, people, you know, love listening to it. And, you know, and if I give you the link, you can always put it on your Facebook page and, and stuff like that. And people go, wow, I had no idea he was going to sound like that. They, <laughs> they know what you'll sound like. But anyway, yeah. they'll, they'll say, who's, who's that person asking stupid questions? But anyway, that's yeah. all right. I can cope. Who's a dude with a cool straight jumper? I don't know. <laughs> Not me. I don't know. I think you're 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 much more jazz than me, actually. Well, I'm jazz. <laughs> <laughs> like you, like you. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Well, once many years ago, I'll just I'll bore you with this. Actually, I did a. That was when Caroline Cassidy did a um, a book 
um, and I interviewed her and um, I, I, I even went to her house and she signed this, she signed it for me saying, look, to David. Yeah. So there you go. She was, she was once with, um, it's not, who's Dean Moriarty in On the Road? Dean Moriarty on the road. Um, he was the, he, in real life. He was he was Jack Kerouac's best friend, wasn't he? Oh, um, I can't think. Oh, Neil Cassidy. Neil Cassidy, of course. Of course. There you go. So there you go. So, yes, yeah, so it's funny being in her flat, seeing all these pictures of the the great beats, and thinking, blimey, there you go. Mm -hmm. I was I was I was a bit obsessed during that time. I was I was reading all those books like Tom Wolfe and Hunter S. Thompson and. Jack Kerouac, yeah. so I thought, you know, we all yeah. went through that phase, didn't we? Oh, you had a beatneck phase too. <laughs> you kind of have yeah. to, don't you? And trying to listen to Cab Calloway and people. <laughs> Slim Gaylord. Yeah. That's the one, Slim. Yeah. I know. Yeah. And yeah. Difficult, because yeah. in the 80s, you couldn't just go and listen to it. You had to go to the record library and get yeah. it. And, you know, check it out. Yeah, yeah. Check yeah. it out and, and sort of go, yeah, I'm... <laughs> That's I'm on me. It, man. I'm, I'm thinking, God, this is a bit hard going, actually. I'm not sure. If I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll stick to kind of blue instead. <laughs> okay. Okay. But then, you know, you get into Count Basie and, you know, people like that, and you think, oh, yeah, this is good. And then well, John Coltrane. Of course, John Coltrane and, and Ornette Coleman and, you know, Don Cherry, and these are the guys, man. It's incredible. It's out there. They're, out, they're absolutely out there. But yeah, I love it. Love Supreme. Yeah. Anyway, look, thanks a lot. And um, right, I'll keep, keep, in, touch. keep in touch. And um, yeah, nice, nice to meet you. Thanks very much. Yeah, take care, Michael. Thanks. Have a great take year. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Yes, I love that last little moment. Anyway, look, that was me in conversation with Michael Rooney from The Primevals. If you want to know any more information about them, they are on various social media sites, and also they do have a homepage as well, which you can also follow and find, I do believe, or not. I'm not quite sure, actually, but just, just Google them. I'm sure they're somewhere out there. And uh, yes, they have a new album that is out titled New Trip. You can hear that on Spotify. And also most of their records are here, there and everywhere. So look, buy them, book them, enjoy them. They're amazing. Look. Um, if yes, if you want to contact me, you can on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. That is the C86 show. It's got to be positive and nice. Otherwise, don't bother. And all these have been archived. You can find those on Spotify, iTunes and Podbean. It's true. Anyway, have a great week. Stay safe. 